Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. You want to ring in the new year with a grab bag? Sure. Are we going to... We can also share this mic all episode. Well, we're not because we're not there's actually, two mics. but it's funny. I wrote we, it like a we week. thought we were going to. I wrote it when we thought you only had one mic. Okay, yeah, yeah. cue music. And welcome. To another episode of Pandas Talking Games, I am one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And tonight's topic, Happy New Year! Woo! Yeah, Happy 2019! This is our first Pandas episode for 2019, and we happen to be in the same place because Phil is here in Denver! Yay! Yay! And so we're like in the same room <laughs> recording... In the same time zone, in no the less. In the same time zone, yeah. Like, it's not crazy late for him. Although we still managed to record late at night. Um, so anyway, because of the holidays, we are going to start the year with a grab bag episode. And we're not actually going to be playing our AP until next episode. Now, that that's also because I am um, leaving Wednesday. Yes. And you are leaving Wednesday. And I am leaving Wednesday on for a, a work trip. Yeah, you have a work trip. And I'm just heading back to Buffalo. So there won't be a lot of time for you to do editing. No. So like knowing no. that the AP is actually uh, edit intensive, we're just going to we're just going grab bag tonight. Yeah, we're just going grab bag. The other thing I'm going to say is this is probably not going to be a highly edited episode. So if you are accustomed to our episodes, which are a little bit more perfectly put together and all the outtakes go at the end, this may not be that. You have been forewarned. Yeah, this is going to be a function of how much time you have to throw the episode together. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this could be kind of like a live show, except without an audience. You're our audience, and we love you. So much. <laughs> so very much. So very much. So anyway, Phil, what do we have on the docket for tonight? So tonight, we're going to be talking about one-shots versus campaigns, inspiration, but first up, we're going to talk about cartoons. Do, 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 do. So, <laughs> notes fail. So can't reach the trackpad to scroll the screen. Through my microphone. Uh, this is not our normal locations. Okay. So, uh, so Boudet on Twitter asked us, what Saturday morning cartoon would you like to see as an RPG setting? My call, Pirates of Dark Water. Bonus, what mechanics would support that setting? To be clear, that was Boudet's call. That was Boudet's call, yeah. Right, Pirates of Dark Water. Pirates which, of Dark Water. Which, thumbs up, Boudet, for excellent suggestion. Yeah, which I haven't seen, so. Oh, it's good. Okay. It's good. Good cartoon. Okay. All right. So um, so we needed to expand this a little because Saturday cartoon is <laughs> Saturday morning cartoon is really a function of my generation, not as much of your generation. It's true. I actually and also like also my lack of pop culture knowledge means between those two things combined. Because yes. you'd think that I would know like gargoyles, but I don't. Oh, good. Because you just gave away my answer. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> nice job. Damn it! I don't know any Saturday morning cartoons except the ones that people have said to me. So, so we're expanding this to be cartoons. 
We're not editing this. Just leave this hot mess where it is. Good. So my choice, Senda. <laughs> my choice was. to this it's gonna be a disaster no there'll be people who listen to this <laughs> my choice uh is gargoyles uh by disney <laughs> and uh i think this is um as so this show did actually have a short run on um on saturday mornings but actually the like it was later in the series, the better, um, the better gargoyles ones were kind of not on Saturday mornings. They were just like, uh, afternoon cartoons. Uh, but gargoyles was, um, a kick ass, uh, show from Disney about, um, actual stone gargoyles who come to life when the sun goes down. And so they're active in the evenings and then in the daylight, they turn back into stone and you can just, if you're not familiar with gargoyles, you should go look it up on Wikipedia and you can, uh, stream, um, most, you can stream the episodes on most of the major, um, like Apple, I think Apple store and Google have it for, you can buy seasons of it. And I think you can even go onto YouTube and find episodes of it. Anyway, um, I would do gargoyles. And as the bonus to Boudet's question is my, my, um, mechanics would be, um, I would use what is known as what is now being called the, um, uh, year. What is it? The year one. I forget. It's the mutant year zero. Uh, mechanics. Um, but I would use specifically the variant of it that's Tales from the Loop. Okay. So I would use Tales from the Loop. And, and the reason because uh, I don't I don't want my Gargoyles game to really be as much about fighting as I do want it to be about uh, drama. So what I really like in uh, the Tales from the Loop setting is that uh, when you fail uh, or take damage, you take conditions. Yeah. And the only way to get rid of your conditions is to have a scene with your anchor. Mm -hmm. So I could redefine what the anchor is for each of the gargoyles. And then whatever um, struggles you had in the course of play, you would have to go back to your anchor uh, and have a scene there. So whether it's protecting something or whether it's a person. So um, Goliath's attraction to the detective, that kind of thing. Like that would be the impetus to go from um, having failed in some scenes to getting to clear all of your, um, to getting to clear all of your conditions. Yeah, that makes sense. That sounds very cool. Cool. As we stated, I haven't seen Gargoyles, so I'm just going to take your word for how well that would work. I know. I may fix that. Let me fix that before I go. Okay. <laughs> uh, how about you? What uh, what cartoon? Right, right. We had to we had to broaden it out a lot for me. Um, so the one that I think would be pretty fun to play is um, and and that has a lot of the same kind of nostalgia stuff for me, which is why I picked it. Um, would be Slayers, which is an anime um, from I don't know. I think the nineties, early two thousands, um, and it's. It's a sword and sorcery, like, swashbuckly kind of anime, but it's, like, also very anime, right? So it's 
huge magical swords and its um, spells that could, you know, accidentally tear holes in the fabric of space and time um, or accidentally destroy the entire world if they, you know, get out of control. Um, A whole bunch of things about monsters and gods and that kind of stuff. Um, And very cool. And I was really obsessed with it for a long time. And it would be really fun to play, right? It's super high magic. Um, So... I actually thought for that one, and it's 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 maybe too obvious? I don't even know. I think that I would actually run that in Dungeon World. Um, and I think I would run it in Dungeon World and maybe just tweak um, some custom stuff into a couple of the playbooks. I don't feel like I would have to really mess with the setting or anything like that. It's high fantasy. Um, you know, there's elves and there's, you know, sorcerers and stuff, but, um, I would, I would probably tweak some playstyle stuff at the table in terms of, like, requiring you to yell the name of your spell when you cast it, um, and, um, and have, um, you know, um, some specific customized, um, moves on playbooks that would make things like the fighter, um, more impressive so that you could do something like um have a sword made out of light that does crazy stuff and can interact with magic in cool ways or whatever right so i would i would probably customize the playbooks more than the setting um and i don't know i think it would actually work out pretty well because i think the conversational style of dungeon world lends itself really well to the kind of descriptive um nonsense like cool fluff that would get you the kind of really epic feel that you get from that series um that can be a little bit over the top but it's easy to do that conversationally um and then you know it has some stuff already in it like the you know casting a spell um has the possibility of starting to rip a uh hole in the time space continuum if you don't quite pull it off right seven too many nine. times right seven to nine right so um, so I think it has a lot of the tools already there, and it would just be about the flair that you put on it when you played it, and maybe customizing some of the playbooks a little bit more. Anyway, yeah. Anything else to say on that? Uh, no, we can we can thank Boudet for uh, what an awesome question. Thanks, Boudet. Yeah, it's awesome. Next up, the Jade Prophet asked us on Twitter, where do pandas go for inspiration, direction, or information? What other podcasts, YouTube channels, or websites uh, would you recommend? Um, well, so right now, my commute just drastically shortened itself from an hour to like 20 minutes. Um, so my podcast consumption has drastically reduced suddenly. Um, but the one that I've been catching up on is actually the new one on the Misdirected Mark Network, um, which is Bonus Experience. Um, so that one's great. If you like the show and kind of the silly banter and this kind of stuff... Um, as well as, you know, some serious discussion about um, design, uh, hacking, and, you know, play styles, all of that kind of stuff. I think that's a really good show to listen to. Um, I get a lot of my inspiration for um, games themselves from the actual just media that I'm consuming. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always inspired by other actual play podcasts that I respect. So when we talk about One Shot or Campaign... Um, like those have always been a large inspiration for me. Um, <clears throat> goodness. Um, but also then media I consume. So a lot of stuff from books, um, a lot of stuff from anime, um, a lot of stuff from movies, you know, those are my kind of go-tos. And, and, and also, you know, if we start talking about design, I am frequently inspired by life. Would you say? Yeah, I would actually say that's actually pretty, um, 
That's pretty true. The games that you often design lately are about human emotion and things like that. Yeah. They have feels. Hmm? I've been doing some processing through game design. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What are you, uh, what are you consuming that's inspiring you? So, uh, so things that I, uh, so I have a Marvel Unlimited subscription, so I read, uh, I read a lot of, uh, comic books lately. Yeah. Um, so I've been really kind of digging on that. Um, that's been like kind of a big source of inspiration, um, just, and just general reading, uh, YouTube channels, um, I don't have any consistent YouTube channels that I like watch, um, that I watch all the time. Uh, toy galaxy is one that's really like a history of, uh, history of toys and things like that, but I don't really get too much role playing, um, juice from that. I just like, that's probably more entertainment, uh, in terms of ideas about, um, role playing and about design and things like that, um, my number one uh, resource for that is Rob Donahue's um, blog, which I believe is the Walking Mind, Walking Mind or Walking Eye. Don't I love it? I, I have a subscription to it, so I just get emailed the articles when they come out. Yeah. Um, but Rob Donahue does. Um, I like Rob. I like Rob's thoughts on game design and on game, like just game development and things like that. So that is often a big. Uh, inspiration for me. Um, it's kind of tough. There aren't a lot of other, <coughs> there aren't a lot of other game design. There aren't a lot of other game design podcasts out there. Like there's not a lot of like Chris, like Chris and I are kind of doing like yeah. the bulk of that work there. Yep. There used to be, um, uh, Paletta, um, had one and that was really good. The design, the, um, Oh God, I forget the name of that cast, but it was, um, Okay, well, I'll forget all of that. Right. Uh, but anyway, that I listened to that. I consumed that podcast voraciously because it was all about design. There's, um, there's also I, I know that um, Jason Pitt is starting to release the Metatopia. I love those um, ones on on the um, what's it? What what is the name of his podcast? Um, it's the RPG panel, RPG design panel cast. Yeah. So so that stuff is coming down, which is really cool because catching up on the ones that we didn't get to see. <laughs> I cherry I cherry pick my way through those yeah, episodes. I cherry pick my way through those but too. I do like those as well because they're basically all the Metatopia talks. Yeah. And they're really good. Right. Um so I, I so those are a big thing for me. Um I'll be honest, and I wanna sound super snobby when I say this, but um You snob. But I, there when it comes to like GMing advice and stuff, like there really aren't too many places that I go. Um, well, you've been doing this for forever. Yeah. I mean, I've like, I mean, when it comes to jamming advice, like I've written more of it that, you know, like I don't go to too many places for it. I just, you know, I will kind of listen along, but so many, um, so many things when I hear it, I'm like, oh, I, I you know, I wrote an article, <laughs> you know, like, right, right, I think right. I wrote that in Gnome Stew or somebody I right, know. I mean, right. that's it. I mean, Gnome Stew is great. Yep. Um, so let's see. What are the websites? Uh, TV Tropes. Yeah. TV Tropes is TV tropes. always, I, that is one I go, I dip into that one constantly. Yeah. Um, other inspiration. Um, you know what? I I mean, Wikipedia is a thing that I, is a constant resource for me. Like I always, like as soon as I think of something, I throw it into Wikipedia and read about it. So, you know, I did a lot of, um, I did a lot of reading for Long Live the Queen. Yeah. Like I just burned through a whole bunch of um, Wikipedia pages about um, that period of, you know, the Musketeers time in France kind of thing. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, those are, uh, those are my big things. I mean, I wrote an article a long time ago about feeding your creativity and I, you know, you will get, you can get inspiration from pretty much anywhere. So, uh, just consume, yeah. consume media, consume interesting and cool media. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, and yeah, right now my, you know, my main one is comic books. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Want to cool. do one more? Yeah, let's do one more question. All righty. <clears throat> All right, so the last question is campaigns versus one-shots. That sounds familiar. Yeah, hey, it's like we do that on this show. And so Ryan sent us the question, how would you run a meaningful one-shot of Hydra Hackers, seeing as how many of the neighborhood and advancement mechanics seem like they wouldn't be applicable in a single game session? And how would you run a long-form campaign of Love and Justice, which lacks advancement, advancement mechanics? I got the easier yeah, one Yeah, you on got this. the super easy one on this one. I got the super easy yeah, one whatever. on this. Do you, you want to do yours? First? No, you go first. Okay, I'll go first. All right, so because I, I, I do this. Um, All I, the time. Yeah. Right, because I run, uh, I run Hydro Hackers for convention games, so I actually do know how to do this. Um, the way that you run Hydro Hackers as a meaningful one-shot is that... You present a problem in the neighborhood, and in the course of the one-shot, you solve that problem. So in Busted Main, which is uh, one that I run quite frequently at, at conventions, the um, there is a vegetable co-op, and the their main water line breaks because it was illegally installed, um, because the Hydro Hackers installed it on their behalf, mm-hmm. um, because they couldn't afford the commercial commercial plumbing yep uh and now they have like now it needs to be fixed or the co-op is going to go out of business yep and not have any water to drink because their personal water goes too yeah Yeah. so that like there's there it is right present a neighborhood problem solve neighborhood problem uh the other one shot that i uh often run is red water blues where um you are about to launch a project called blue babies providing providing clean water for uh for newborn babies and the water authority screws up your water tanks and loses all your water yep so you have to go steal more water to get the project off the ground present a problem for the neighborhood solve problem for neighborhood yep so in terms of advancement so um just mechanically we just don't use the neighborhood playbook so then that doesn't have to be um that doesn't come into an advance into advancing and in terms of character advancement um, you get XP in Hydra Hackers the same way you do in Dungeon World, which is on a fail. So it is possible during a game to actually uh, to actually advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing that I always do when I run a one shot is I always give everyone one more move. Yeah. So like during character creation, I'm like, take all your, you know, take all the normal moves on your sheet and go ahead and take one more move. Yep. That way we start a little advanced. Now. That was the easy question. That was the easy question. Let's talk about the hard one. Can I, I I'll even help you if you, um, uh, well, I mean, I have some thoughts on it, right? No, I, you absolutely do. We've talked right, about I mean, it. I mean, we've talked about it and I've kind of done it. It was weird. So the, the, to refresh the rest of the question was how would you run a long form campaign of love and justice, which lacks advancement mechanics. So the first thing about this is I wouldn't. Like I mean, okay, but but so but I'm if you had to, question, well, if I need actually, to. let's stop. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? I wouldn't because mechanically the game is so simplistic. It's not just missing advancement mechanics; it's actually missing a whole bunch of other stuff too. And because you just roll based on that one, you know, thing, like you just every roll is built the exact same way, and there's only one kind of roll really, and you're just trying to be high or low. The mechanics actually get really boring 
really quickly. So there's a reason that I run it not just as a one shot, but actually as a two hour one shot, because I personally find that past about the two and a half to three hour mark, those mechanics become kind of dull, right? Like they just don't hold up for long term play. And I have tried it and I've tried it with um, lasers and feelings. And I ran like a three and a half hour game. And I was like, wow, this isn't working for me anymore. Right. So so I think there's a layer of it right there that's not just about the advancement. It's also about the actual complexity of the system itself, which it's just, you know, it just wasn't built for that, right? Um, the second part of that question, or, or the second part of the answer is, if, if I were going to do it. Um, firstly, um, I think you could do it if you ran it as a series of episodic one-shots that remained about two hours long, so that you didn't get sick of the mechanics during any individual game. And I wouldn't recommend running them back to back. I have done that before. Um, I tried it. I did find it to be a little, I found like it got, it, it felt like it got a little stale in that same way, like trying to run the same game for longer because it's just so easy to mechanically master that game, right? Um, so I feel like you could, you know, with a regular gaming group, be like, okay, we're going to run a series of episodes from this show. Um, and we're going to kind of like work through these one-off bad guys because it could totally do that. Right. Um, and, and so you could, you could, you could do that as a two hour game once a week or once every couple of weeks or something, um, with the acknowledgement that it is pretty simplistic and it's probably, you know, maybe it goes, maybe it's a three to four session campaign. You know, we're still not talking about a year long campaign with this game. Cause I just don't think that it could really keep your interest long enough. Um, it doesn't have any advancement mechanics. <laughs> um, if you wanted to narratively add some kind of advancement mechanic, I think it would be neat or reasonably easy to do something kind of like a fate stunt in a really specific way. Like, um, you know, have your leader have um, gain an ability that like, when all of the other girls are knocked out um, or whatever, which you have to also kind of deal with narratively because there's literally no damage in the system. Like this is how simplistic the system is, right? So it, it comes with a multitude of issues, right? But if you can narratively handle this stuff, um, if you're willing to do it, um, you could do stuff like give them powers that um, they gain through having character realizations um, that are triggered by very, very specific um, specific circumstances. For example, all of the other girls are knocked out in a thing. And then so the leader like realizes through the power of their heart and their love and, and how they need to take care of their friends that they really can do this thing that they really need to do. And they get to try again with like an extra die because, you know, they just feel so strongly about it. But at the same time, that's kind of the help die from the other people, right? Like, so I don't know. You could do it. Give them a power die. Need like a power die or something. Like you, you, you would have to deal with a lot of that stuff narratively because there is no mechanic to back it up whatsoever. Um, so I'm kind of just spitballing some random thoughts at it. Um, but I definitely wouldn't run it as a very long campaign. It might be run to, fun to like, you know, see how more of the show goes. Um, 
if you really fall in love with those characters or it would be easy to make it something where like you have those characters and then like whenever game night doesn't happen you slip in another episode right like so you know you play your normal campaign for three months and then like somebody's sick so you play love and justice again and you get another episode of that same show like i could totally see that happening but i have trouble imagining it as an intentional long-form campaign right i mean it we when you sat down to write it yeah we and and you know we talked about it like it was never intended to be anything other than a two-hour game it was specifically written to be a two-hour game in fact we hit a point where um i was messing around with a help dice mechanic in that game and it was preventing me as the gm from time modulating how fast the game was happening and it was making the game have to last longer than i wanted it to and we had like i ripped it all out and put in something new because I needed to be able to make that game in, in two hours. Like, part of the design conceit of that game is, like, this is a two to three hour game and you're done. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's actually, it's not the advancement mechanic that's actually the challenge for yeah. um, that game being a campaign. It's really, it's the simplicity of the love and justice mechanic. Yeah. Because, and, and not to get uh, too nerdy on this, but... Uh, what makes a game interesting for campaign play, uh, in part, is system mastery. Right. Um, and that the interesting part of there's two interesting parts of system mastery. There's the initial climb to gain system mastery. Yep. Right. That's exciting. And then for a period of time after that, once you have achieved system mastery, it's fun to be able to utilize it. Yep. So like you first learn how to play D and D. And then, uh, then you like you hit a certain level, and now you get to do cool stuff, and then like that persists for a little while. Yeah. Um, in Dungeon World, it's um, you learn narrative positioning. Right. And then, like once you've learned narrative positioning, uh, because you've learned the moves along the way as well, but you learn narrative positioning and how it ties in with the moves. That's like the up. That's like the learning curve. Mm-hmm. And then you hit a plateau where you can do really cool things because you've learned how to like, you know, structure your narrative to make things happen. Right. Yep. The problem with Love and Justice is that you the learning curve is about two to three minutes. Right. <laughs> and there's a little bit of narr- narrative positioning, but you actually learn that really quickly because there's not much else you have to do. Yeah, there really isn't anything else. And so what happens is you just get to a point in the game where um, all sessions feel the same. Yep. And all of your actions feel repetitive, even though in the story you're doing something else. Yes. There is only one actual mechanic that you engage. Yep. And that actually is what will um, eventually make you not interested in running something as a campaign. Is like when you yes. kind of become mechanically bored. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So cool. Very cool. Yep. Uh, awesome. Uh, before we head out um, and hit the closing, we need to uh, we need to talk about uh, one of the other shows on the Misdirected Mark Network. <laughs> We're trying to decide... Which one it is? I say the lounge. Okay. On the lounge, Doc finds the best, the brightest, the most fun game designers and sits down to have a cool chat with them. You never know what conversation is going to come up on the lounge. Excellent. 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 Say, Senda, where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the misdirected Mark Google Plus community for however much longer that's around because that 
timeline keeps getting shorter. Um, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places or manage to write that email address down, what can they do with that information? Please, please, please send us your topics. As witnessed by tonight's episode, we do actually go into the grab bag, pull out topics for us to talk about and make shows out of. So uh, send us your topics uh, about uh, GMing, about game design, about running games, whatever. Uh, about being a player in games like right. we're awesome uh we'll talk about it yeah or about the ap if you have any questions about it hell yeah i mean awesome. or legacy weapon you know yeah it's yeah. like he wrote it there we go <laughs> uh send what's the other thing people can do um while uh they are uh using all of our social media stuff well you can send us your table selfies so the next time you are taking a picture of yourself playing an awesome game. I did that wrong. The next time you are sitting down at a table to play an awesome game with those awesome peeps, take a picture of yourself and that table and put it on Twitter, preferably, because we can find it there, and hashtag it table selfie, and we will swing by and like it because that is what we do. Phil is currently trying to take a table selfie of us recording, but in doing so, he is bonking his mic and his pop filter, and I have no idea what it sounds like. Hang on. It's pretty scary. Okay. <laughs> now you have to do. Oh God, that's part. awful. Okay. <laughs> yes, if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, uh, check out our Patreon campaign. Go to Patreon.com/slash/mmp. Patrons of the show get all sorts of awesome stuff. Uh, you get access to the bonus outtakes from the show. Um, which has got a lot to do with send us bookshelves. Um, <laughs> today it does. Today it does. The misdirected Mark after show, uh, access to our Slack room for life, which includes uh, access to our Minecraft server, if you're so inclined to play uh, Minecraft. And uh, all sorts of goodies that sometimes get released from Encoded Designs. Uh, a lot of our um, top-level patrons suddenly wind up with new role-playing books, like mm -hmm. PDFs and things like that. Um, and all sorts of cool stuff. We also like to shout out to our patrons. Uh, and tonight we're going to shout out to three of them. Do you want to take a crack at them or do you want me to do it? I got it. Okay. Rob Abrazado, the gauntlet of the queen. Indeed, he is. Curtis E. Takahashi. Excellent. Thank you so much to Curtis. And Dan Simons. Thank you so much, Dan. Yes. There is something else you can do that we love uh, just as much as uh, patroning, uh, giving us patronage, right? Whatever. <laughs> what? Joining our patron campaign. How do we campaign. end this show? It's been too long. Oh, Literally. God. It's been a little it's while. It's been like two weeks. <laughs> hey, there's another thing we like. Makes happy as pandas. Yep. Um, it'll even make me fall out of this chair. Yeah, he's um, slipping down further and further. So, <laughs> you know, <he's> getting close. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, what's that thing that makes us oh so happy? Well, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review really does actually help new people find the show. And it makes us giddy. And if you leave it somewhere that is not the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, please let us know because we will not see it. That's the silly thing about how that all works. But anyway, thank you so very, very much to everyone who already has. You know, the best thing to give a podcaster for the new year is a review. Indeed. Say, Senda, show me what Saturday morning cartoon you're going to watch next. Show 
This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, eh, hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got, eh, hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got, eh, hey, show me what you got, eh. Hey.